Welcome to the Cello Sherpa Podcast, where we explore all aspects of the climb to the summit, from intermediate musician to the professional stage. Check us out online at thecellosherpa.com or follow us on Twitter and Instagram at thecellosherpa. I'm Joel Dallow, your host. I joined the cello section of the Atlanta Symphony Orchestra in 1999 and founded the Riverside Chamber Players based in Roswell, Georgia in 2003. As you start to think about heading back to school, many schools and youth symphonies will be holding seating auditions. So if you're looking for coaching on your orchestral excerpts or solo repertoire to prepare for this, head on over to www.thecellosherpa.com and drop us a line. We offer virtual or in-person lessons. Today's episode is sponsored by Clear Resources, your premier resource for compliance, legal, ethics, and risk. For more information, visit them online at clearresources.com. I recently had an experience with a potential wedding gig that made me realize that the topic of avoiding the scam is something we should talk about. I received an email from a person by the name of Rose Harry, who was inquiring about hiring me as a solo cellist for a wedding at a private home located in Roswell, Georgia. She stated it was a private wedding with no more than 25 guests and that they would follow all COVID safety protocols and all the guests would be masked. She also asked if I would like to perform live, pre-recorded, or over Zoom. This was the first red flag. I have never been asked to perform for someone's wedding virtually or by recording. Being on high alert, I decided to put a relatively simple contract together. So here is tip number one in avoiding the scam. Always have a contract. Head on over to thecellosherpa.com for an example of the wedding contract I recently used. Rose also stated that they were out of town, but when they returned, they would love to get together for dinner to discuss the ceremony, but in the meantime, I was welcome to pick any selections of music I preferred. Also a bit suspicious, as it would be highly unusual for a client to take any vendor out for a meal to discuss the details of the ceremony, while simultaneously allowing them to pick whatever musical selections they want. I sent the contract to Rose... And almost immediately after she received it, I got a signed contract back. The names were Rose Harry and Martins Dale. Names which seemed a bit made up to me, but I proceeded as though the wedding would be happening. Within a matter of a few days, I received another email from Rose stating that the volunteer who agreed to pay the musician and the photographer made a mistake and included both of our fees in the same check that was on its way to me. She asked that when I receive the check, I simply cash it and Venmo the photographer their fee. I stated that I was not comfortable with this solution as I didn't want to be responsible for paying another one of her vendors. Instead, I offered to meet with her in person, endorse the check over to her, and have her pay me directly. She stated there was no time because now all of a sudden they were not returning until right before the most important day of their lives and insisted that I cash it and pay the photographer directly. Remember, originally, we were going to meet and discuss the details over dinner, and now there was no time. Furthermore, who uses the term volunteer when they refer to a family friend who offered to pay me directly? So here is tip number two. Pay attention to the details. Make sure they seem legitimate. If anything feels off, stay vigilant. Tip number three. Don't ever agree to pay another vendor from your fee. This is a recipe for disaster and a completely unreasonable ask from any client. Don't do it. Ever. 
At this point, I remained committed to receiving the cashier's check and seeing how this played out. I remained suspicious, but I was still willing to meet with Rose in person to exchange the cashier's check for my fee and still completely unwilling to pay another person from that check. Rose continued to insist on me cashing the check and paying her the difference, but I continued to say no and figured I would deal with it when the check arrived. In the meantime, I did a little research online and found out that the house where the wedding was to take place was owned by a couple in their 80s who had no name that matched either the bride or the groom. That in and of itself is not a guarantee of fraud, but putting all of this information together paints a much clearer picture of possible fraud. A few days later, I received a cashier's check for $2,850 from a credit union in Pennsylvania and a New York address for the payer. The check looked completely legitimate, although I thought the fact that the bank was in a different state than where the payer lived seemed a little suspicious. So here is tip number four. When receiving a cashier's check or any form of payment, no matter how legitimate the check looks, call the issuing financial institution to verify the funds. When a bank issues a cashier's check, they keep a log of every outgoing check. When I called the credit union, they knew almost immediately that it was fraudulent, who the payer was named, and how much the amount was. Always insist on a cashier's check. Do not take a personal check. If you stick to only accepting a cashier's check, you always have the ability to call the financial institution where that check was issued from to determine whether it is fraudulent or not. A very important way to protect yourself. Within a few days of receiving the check, Rose reached out to me asking why I hadn't contacted her to pay the photographer, and I told her that I determined the check was fraudulent and our contract was canceled. So here is tip number five. Make sure your contract has a clause that if sufficient funds aren't received by a specific date, that you have the right to cancel the contract. Here is how this particular scam works. You cash the check, then agree to pay the difference to another vendor, or back to the client. It can take days or sometimes even weeks for a bank to determine a check is fraudulent. That is why Rose worked so hard to put time pressure on me. She knew that if I moved fast, the bank would potentially figure out later that the funds are fraudulent, and by the time they catch on, Rose will be long gone and I'm left on the hook for the funds I paid the photographer. In summary, here are the tips to avoid being scammed. Number one, Always have a contract. It protects you from fraud, but also many other things that can go wrong. Number two, trust your gut. If anything feels off about the interaction, you don't need to cancel it, but make sure that everything adds up. Number three, never ever agree to pay another vendor from your fees or to refund the client the difference between your fees and someone else's. Number four, always confirm that your funds are real by contacting the financial institution. Again, you can do this by always insisting on a cashier's check. Number five, make sure your contract has an ironclad clause that releases you from any responsibility if the funds are fraudulent or insufficient. Lastly, if you can, take the time to report this to law enforcement even if you are not out any money. This helps law enforcement stay up to date on the types of scams that are going on and may, coupled with information from other people, help them narrow down who the perpetrators engaged in these types of scams are. 
When I reported this to my local police department, they had not heard of this particular scam. But if others were to fall victim, the information I provided, coupled with them, may help law enforcement find these criminals in the future. I hope you have found this information helpful. By working together and staying ahead of these very sophisticated scammers, hopefully we can all help each other avoid losing money in this way. Be sure and catch our next episode where we interview our first violinist of the season, Robin Zay. She talks about her experience making a living that largely reflects contemporary musical life as a highly sought-after freelance musician in New York City. We're here to serve you. So if you have questions or topic suggestions you would like to cover in future episodes, please use the contact page on our website, thecellosherpa.com, or tweet them at us, at thecellosherpa. You will also find information about the specific services we offer on the website. Don't forget to follow us and rate us on whatever platform you get your podcasts. This helps us climb the rankings so other people can find us. Today's episode was produced, edited, and recorded by me, Joel Dallow.